Welcome to the Six Figure Product Biz Podcast. I'm Carrie, a product-based business coach. I started, scaled, and sold a successful multi-six-figure e-commerce business, and now I love teaching entrepreneurs like you how to start, grow, and scale your dream product business. I'm obsessed with all things marketing, e-commerce, and business, and I cannot wait to share all my secrets with you. I also love all things dogs and coffee. Each week, you'll learn step-by-step tangible strategies to help you scale to the next level in your business, skyrocket your sales and traffic, reach more customers, and gain greater visibility in your business. Because I know you don't want to waste your time or energy trying to figure it out all on your own, but you want the business growth roadmap so you can create a profitable product business that gives you the life you love. Whether you're thinking of starting a product biz or scaling yours, this podcast is the secret sauce to making all those dreams come true. So grab your coffee and your favorite notepad and let's get started. Hello, my beautiful friends. Let's dive right into it. Welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Product Business Podcast. This week's episode is a very special one because I have the founder of Primally Pure, Bethany McDaniel. So Primally Pure is a non-toxic, natural skincare beauty brand. And they are one of the definitions, in my opinion, of a cult brand. They are a brand that people are obsessed with. They buy their products over and over again, and they have an awesome product with a very clear pain point. So Primarily Pure for me has been one of my favorite skincare brands for years. I'm constantly using them as examples of great marketing and what great marketing looks like from a brand. And so to be able to sit down and have a conversation with the founder, Bethany, is just a dream for me. So this is a really special episode for me, and it's going to be really awesome for you because you're going to learn from this incredible person. So some of the things that we talked about in this episode are just the early days of the company, you know, when they started, why, what did it look like? How were they making the products? What were some of the challenges they faced? What were the strategies they used to drive them to more success? And then a lot of other things in between. And then one of the, one of my favorite parts of the episode is when um, Bethany shared her number one marketing strategy that she believes has created success and visibility for Primarily Pure. So this is a must listen. Grab a coffee, grab your green juice, and let's dive into it. Hey, Bethany, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to chat today. Yay. Well, I'm, you know, as I was telling you before, a a massive fan of your business and I've been using your skincare products for years. And I know with my programs and my courses, I'm always like using Primarily Pure as examples for standout marketing, whether it's like your blog posts or your beautiful websites or your product descriptions. I think you, you've you done such a phenomenal job with br- building a brand that has such great marketing. So I'm just really excited to, to be sitting here with you and I appreciate your time. <laughs> Before we dive into everything, if you wanted to share, you know, introduce yourself, your name and, and what your business is. Yeah, I'd love to. So my company is Primarily Pure. I started Primarily Pure in my kitchen. Gosh, almost... 10 years ago, we've been in business eight years officially, but I was working on formulas for a while before launching the business. Started it in my kitchen 
and started selling my products on my family farms website. My family has a farm, a regenerative um, beyond organic livestock farm here in Southern California. It's called Primal Pastures. So initially I kind of saw what I was doing as a complement to the farm, the farm's brand, which was Mm -hmm. a little further along than I was at the time. And that was kind of what I set out to do was just to sell these natural products that I was creating on the farm's website at and at farm tours and things like that. And then I was really blown away when I started selling these products by the response I was getting and the demand. And so that just led to me being more excited about what I was creating and wanting to get it into more hands, um, you know, here in the U.S. and around the world. And it's grown a ton since then. We now mm-hmm. have a team of about 50 people at our headquarters in Southern California. We do all the manufacturing, all the shipping in-house here. And, you know, just um, we have a spa at our headquarters as well, which is has been a really fun addition to the brand. But yeah, that's kind of the story in a nutshell. That's amazing. I would love to just ask you a couple questions about the start of that, because I know that you said this was sort of like inspired in a sense from your your family farm. What made you like what what made you say, okay, I know that, you know, some of your hero products are like your natural deodorant. And I know you sell a lot of like you sell hair products. Your skin stuff is what I buy. And I'm just like obsessed with your soothing cream is like the best skincare product I've ever used in my whole life. I love it. But what made you like what made you just start? You know, I know that you said you were inspired from your farm and you wanted to create things that complemented complemented that. But what kind of what was your why behind like making some of your first products? Yeah. So growing up, um, starting in high school, continuing into college, I struggled with acne and like a lot of teenagers, I was really self-conscious about it at the time. And I just wanted wanted it to go away. So I remember my mom taking me to the dermatologist. I went to the dermatologist a lot for a couple of years and she was doing, she was putting me on like antibiotics and really harsh creams and just a whole gamut of different things. And I felt like sometimes something would work for a little bit, but then it would stop working or it would work. But then, you know, my skin would like get really red and irritated and start peeling off. And I just felt like there had to be a deeper solution to this that, that everyone was missing, but I didn't have like the means to research that and figure that out at the time. And so it wasn't until when my husband and his family started this farm that I, my eyes were kind of open to a new way of eating and caring for my body. And so I changed my diet started to feel really good. I didn't have any um, major health issues per se, but you know, my energy levels improved, felt like my immune system was working better, things like that I noticed immediately. And then I also noticed that my skin started to clear up. And that's when I kind of a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, gosh, like if I've been wrong about the foods that I've been eating my whole life, like what, what else am I wrong about? What else can I improve? And so I looked at the skincare products I was using and was, I was pretty surprised to find that a lot of the products I'd been using my whole life actually contained ingredients that are known to cause cancer or known to irritate the skin, things like this. I think I felt, and I, I know a lot of people also have felt this way 
that if something is being sold at a store, that it's been vetted and, you know, tested for safety and all of these things. And in reality, that just isn't the case for the majority of ingredients that are allowed in the products that are sold in stores today. And so once, once I was kind of like realizing all of these things, I just set out to create my own skincare products, just kind of intending them to be for myself to use. And maybe some family members didn't really have like a business vision in mind at the time Mm -hmm. that came later, but I just kind of, I wanted to create products for myself, for my, my husband, family, friends. And that's what I started doing initially. And it's, you know, hundreds of iterations of different products later, I then launched an actual business. What did that look like? Because I, I can imagine, and I've, you know, I've obviously like read your website and and read about the story, but just for people that haven't read that, it's very interesting. (laughs) Like, what did that look like for you? Were you like literally sitting there in your kitchen making, like concocting your deodorants and your face, you know, lotions and all that kind of stuff? Did you hire out chemists to do that for you? Like what, yeah, what, tell us like a little bit about the early days, because I think, A lot of times with businesses, we hear the success stories and we hear like, okay, you know, primarily pure, you're an overnight success, but you've been at this for a decade, you know, and a lot of times people will look at the result today and not backtrack to those early days of like, okay, this person has hustled for many years to get this to where it is today. But so I love personally hearing the early days, the, the scrappy, like all the, you know, things you're probably doing in your house to sell your first product, but walk us through what that kind of looked like for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was super DIY in the beginning. And, and I'll give some examples just to show people like how, I don't know how else to describe it, but how like DIY it was. I always say there's that business saying, you know, like work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. I was working harder, not smarter for a really <laughs> long time because that was I didn't have the business smarts in the business sense. All I could do was what I knew how to do at the time. And that's what I did. So like for what I was for shipping packages, for instance, I was handwriting, you know, addresses on boxes. I was driving around to coffee shops and hair salons, picking up old magazines and newspapers shredding them in a Costco shredder that I had bought and then using that to stuff packages with. I was making batches of deodorant in like four deodorants at a time. I was, man, there's so many examples of just like these, (laughs) (laughs) these things that I was doing because I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to work shipping, like a shipping software at the time. And I, I didn't have, um, you know, primarily pure didn't start with any investments. I didn't have like funding or anything like that. So everything was really scrappy. I was working really long days. Uh, This is another side story, but when my husband and his family started the farm, they, everyone, all he's one of five and a lot of his siblings had a part in it and moved back to his parents' house where they all grew up and they, their house was on um, two acres. And so that's where the farm started. But we were like one of the groups, one of the families that moved back to get the farm off the ground. So we were living in this 1700 square foot house with nine other people using the same bathroom. Like it was, you know, wow. had like primal pure was or primal pastures was really getting started. I was kind of experimenting with my formulas in the kitchen and it was just like 
it was a lot for a couple of years. Um, and then we moved to a house that was on, we, Primal Pastures got a new farm property and we moved into a small farmhouse on that property. And that was when Primally Pure started to take off. But I mean, I was hand cutting labels for our products with like a $7 paper cutter that I got from Hobby Lobby. And like, <laughs> I had, I had shipping in like one bedroom. I had, obviously I was making the products in the kitchen. I would sit on the couch and like label products on the kitchen table. I would set up my computer and answer customer emails and reach out to influencers. So it was like all these different components of the business and all these different jobs I was doing. Yeah. Different areas of our home. <laughs> and it was like that for a long time. Um, I was working really long days, oftentimes staying up until like one, two o'clock in the morning, just because that is what it took to get the business going until I could afford to hire anyone to help me. And I think it was about um, almost a year in that I hired my first part-time employee. And I just had a couple of different part-time employees for that following year. And I, I think at about two years in is when I hired someone full-time. And that was only because I had to, because I had um, just had a baby. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's amazing. And like all these things are also funny because I'm thinking back to my my early days of when I started my first. So I started a business called the Dapper Dog Box in Irvine in California. Um, my kid was six months old at the time. And, you know, because that's what people do when they have a child. They're like, I'm going to start a business because that makes <laughs> sense. But like I remember shipping out my first order and it was a friend had ordered it. So it wasn't like through my website. It was just like she paid me through Venmo. And I basically took this package. So it was a pet brand. So I would ship like boxes of pet things. And I <laughs> took the, the box and basically I probably used half a roll of tape. Like I taped the crap out of that thing. It was literally <laughs> covered in tape and, and I sent it because I didn't know – I had no concept of shipping a product. I didn't know yeah. how much tape to use. Is it going to open up when it gets shipped? So she messaged me and I remember being really insulted when she messaged me. But in hindsight, she was just <laughs> – she was just trying to give me um, constructive feedback. But she was like, I feel like you just used way too much tape and maybe like maybe don't use so much tape. <laughs> um, but just like, you know, we all make those mistakes when we're first starting off and we we don't know what we don't know. So I love that you were like going, this makes me laugh so much, went to the different shops and like took magazines and then shredded that up to put to use as like the, the stuffing in the boxes. That is so funny. <laughs> um, I love it. But it's like you have to be scrappy. You, you got to yeah. like you're doing all the things. And I, I love that. And it's, it's really funny to hear this early days of your business because, like, now if you go to your website, you can see your website is so beautiful. You have all these influencers promoting you. Like, you've done so many things right. But when you started off, you know, just like everyone else listening here, you don't know what you don't know. You're going to make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. So what would you say is, like, do you have any, like, big mistakes that glare out at you from your early days of, like, that almost screwed my whole business up or like, I just, I just wasted $5,000. What is like a huge mistake that you made in the early days? If you can think yeah, of any. Gosh. I mean, there have been so many. And I remember in the beginning, every time something bad would happen, whether it was my mistake or just something out of my control, I would think like, oh my gosh, it's over. Like yeah. we, 
we're done. There's no way, there's no path forward from here. Better just, you know, throw in the towel. And then like, once I got over that, I would kind of problem solve. And there's almost always like a fix for Mm -hmm. whatever is going on, but it does. It feels so daunting in the moment. And I've learned that like being an entrepreneur is navigating challenges, like Mm -hmm. so many ups and downs. It's not a smooth ride. It never will be. And once I came to terms with that and just learned to expect hurdles and challenges, you know, once new things came up, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, we've gotten through this and this and this in the past, and this is going to be no different. And and what can we do? And the mindset shift was big for me, but gosh, in the beginning, um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple that come to mind. One time we made a batch of deodorant and this was when we were, had just kind of started scaling up in batches. We had just moved into our first warehouse manufacturing space. And I think we were making maybe, maybe one batch of deodorant. I want to say it was like made 200 or so deodorants. So that was big for us to be making you know, a batch of deodorant that made 200 deodorants. That was a lot of money for prime labor at the time. And our skincare chefs, as we call them, you know, they made this batch of deodorant and one of them comes up to me and she's like, Hey, this deodorant smells really weird. Like we don't know why, but it smells off. So <laughs> I, I took a whiff. It definitely smelled weird and started smelling like each individual ingredient that went into the deodorant, got to the arrowroot powder and it smelled really strongly of cumin, which is a strong smelling oh. Indian spice. It's kind of known for smelling like body odor. I hate that smell. <laughs> yeah, not something you want in your deodorant. The arrowroot powder smelled like cumin. We had just made a whole batch of deodorant with it. All the deodorants smelled like BO. Oh, no. And, yeah, it was terrible. And so we contacted the supplier and they told us that they um, had stored the arrowroot powder next to a bunch of cumin. And oh no, yeah, they you know didn't reimburse us or anything, so we just had to eat that cost, which was huge for for us at the time. Yeah, (laughs) one time also we when we had just started outsourcing our deodorant tubes, not the deodorant itself, but the deodorant tubes to a manufacturer overseas. Mm -hmm. We it was when we switched from like one type of tube to another, and it was our first experience with ordering anything overseas. And it was taking a lot longer than we expected, but our supplier kept reassuring us, like, like we we had a certain date that we needed them by. And he kept reassuring us, like, you'll have them, don't worry. And so we ended up, it, this was around the time of Black Friday. Gosh, it was probably five years ago now or six years ago. It's around the time of Black Friday, which is always a big sales um, mm. day, sales weekend for us. And we ended up launching these new deodorant tubes when we didn't actually have them in our possession, but we at the time were confident that they would be arriving any day and that we could, you know, make the deodorant, fill the tubes and get them all shipped out in time. And so that didn't happen. They um, didn't arrive for another two weeks and we had to send out emails to our customers apologizing and letting them know like, Hey, if you want to cancel your order, you can, but we, if you, if you want to keep it, like we'll fill it and ship it to you as soon as possible. Um, and we had, you know, thousands and thousands of orders piled up. We had a very small team at the time and we were shipping out orders that didn't have deodorant, but any order that had deodorant 
was like delayed, delayed, delayed. And then finally, when the deodorant tubes arrived, it was this whole big truck and the whole team like was, you know, getting in and out of this semi truck, like, like getting these boxes into our warehouse, like made, we made all these batches immediately, filled the tubes and it took us a couple of weeks to ship everything out. But we did get all the orders out before Christmas, which we were happy about. But, you know, there's just, there's so many room, so much room for problems mm-hmm. when you own a company. And I think I just, I was very naive to that and couldn't like <laughs> foresee those potential, potential areas where I, where we would make mistakes in the beginning. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like, I also feel like with like the holidays and Christmas, like every business has that story of like the product doesn't show up in time and then customers start emailing you and it's it's such a it's so challenging. That happened to me one year with um so I one of the things I did was manufacture these really like super trendy dog bandanas and I needed them by a certain date and they there was some ice storm in the Midwest and it wasn't like they were stuck in overseas or anything, but There was some ice storm and they got held up for, I think, a week or two. And it just screwed up my entire holiday season. (laughs) Because it's not just like that you don't have the product in time, but then it's like it's dealing with the customers. The customers get super angry. You have to spend so much time into customer service, you know, emails and sort of mitigating all those things. And yeah, it's such a nightmare. But that's hopefully everything worked out for you. But that is, um, I think, the arrow root and cumin is um that's it's like kind of funny and not like in a funny way but like it's ironic (laughs) because you said the deodorant smelled like bo which that's exactly what deodorant helps to not (laughs) right (laughs) right like kind of ironic it it had to be like the worst smelling spice that you could ever put in a deodorant (laughs) oh my god that's so funny and also just be curious because I know that you know I've I also mentioned this before but like I feel like you know your brand is is a brand that like at least from the outside I would view as like a brand that is sort of like a cult brand like people are just obsessed with it I know I definitely am um I think your products are so good and like the marketing is so good but I'm just curious what do you think that you've done to create this brand that people just like really wildly obsessed over. I mean, it's not just me. I've seen so many people online over the years, you know, talking about, you know, either the deodorant deodorant or your um, dry shampoo or the, the skincare products. What do you think it is about your stuff that people just kind of go crazy for? Man, um, that might really be like question. a loaded question because I feel like it, it's not just one thing, but just from like your perspective. I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think there's a I think there are probably several things, but one thing that comes to mind is that I feel like so many brands these days, you go on their website, you go on their social media, and it almost feels like this robotic experience. Like who's behind this brand? What is this brand all about? Like they're selling all these products, but like there's no life to, there's no life to it. And I think one thing that we have always sought to do is just to to kind of come alongside people in their wellness journey, not just with skincare products, but with what kind of foods they're eating, what, you know, what type of lifestyle are you living? Because skincare is so multifaceted. And when I started the company, I, that was very much 
at the forefront of my thinking because I had had this experience of changing my diet and saw improvements in my skin. And I never wanted to just push products without giving people as best as I could this bigger picture of health and, and, you know, health in general and also skin health. And so that's what we've done, like with our blog, with our social media, it's not just product, product, product. It's, um, you know, it's, it's the bigger picture. It's a holistic picture of taking care of your skin from everything from, yes, of course, the products, that's a big part of it, but also diet, you know, things like prioritizing sleep and lowering stress levels and things like that. It all plays into it. And, and I think we've always just really tried to reinforce that with customers. And I think that has gone a long ways and built a lot of trust with people. Um, we also do put a lot of care into the products we create. So, um, I, I'm kind of, that's something that I take really seriously. And I formulated a lot of our products in the beginning, still have a really big part in the formulation process. We now work with a lot of different people for the different products that we create and launch, but you know, we're not just going to put a product out there and hope people like it. It, it, it's a big process and it has to be just right before we launch anything. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love what you said, the first thing that you were talking about of the people will have a brand and they have this website and it's like, I like to always say that human faces, personality, your story, sharing like the founder, their story humanizes a brand and it makes you different than like an Amazon, you know what I mean? So I love that you just talked about the robotic experience and how you wanted to kind of have like life in yours and and things like that. So I, I and I couldn't agree more. I think that's such an important thing. And I think like, at least for me, I think a lot of brands don't succeed because of that exact thing. You go to the website and it's just product. It's just product. There's no like personality. There's no story. And I think with a website like that, you know, you might as well just be an Amazon page because that's what that's what an Amazon experience is. It's just a page with product. There's no people don't care about the person behind it. They don't really care about like the brand story or any of that stuff. So I, I yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And then I just have like another question because I feel like one of the things that Primarily Pure does really well is you seem very clear on like who you are targeting, you know, the non-toxic lifestyle person, that kind of thing. Did you did you always have that clarity from the beginning or is that something that has evolved as your brand has grown in terms of like who you're targeting and kind of like what your messaging is all about? Yeah, good question. I mean, I would say starting out, I was my target customer. And so I kind of built Primally Pure around like what, what type of products would I use? What type of products would my friend group use and, and my family members that are close to me and um, just kind of, you know, used those benchmarks to determine like what types of products to create um, and how to talk about them, what to educate on, things like that. Now, I mean, we are a lot more in the weeds with, you know, data based on the advertisements that we do and things like that. And that's something that thankfully I'm not like super involved in anymore, but, um, 
Yeah, definitely in the beginning, like I was basing everything off of like, what, what do I want in a company? What do I want in a product? What can I see the people who are close to me wanting? What are like our customers asking? What kind of questions are our customers asking? That's always been huge. Like customer feedback is something we've always taken really seriously and still do. And every month our customer experience manager sends a report, like the top questions, like, you know, 40 people asked about this, 25 people asked about this. And whether it's like a product, you know, sometimes things like that have led to us making tweaks in our product line. Sometimes questions lead to us talking about a certain topic in a blog post so that, you know, if if enough people are asking about something, obviously it's something that people want more information on. And a blog post, a lot of times, is a great way to provide that because then when we're answering questions, we can just, you know, link to the post that we share all about and the answer to that question. So, um, yeah, I think it's a mix of just kind of like where my passions have led me personally and customer um, feedback and then like clicks and data from our paid advertisements. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I think that's so cool that you've kind of had that transformation from the early days of, again, like maybe less data focused things, but still great feedback from, you know, customers and like listening to what they're complaining about and asking for and then, you know, becoming more sophisticated with like marketing efforts and being able to like look at data and numbers and analytics and all that. So I think that's really cool. And then maybe just one more question. I'm, and this is more of like what I'm just curious of. <laughs> what yeah. what has been like your favorite moment since you've started your business? If there's like one moment that stands out that's just like maybe it was your first sale or or it was like when you – I think everyone that has a business has a moment where they're like, okay, I f- this is like I feel my business has success as of right this second. Um, I don't know. I love I love this kind of question. But yeah, for you, what's been like just the most amazing moment or memorable thing for Primarily Pure? Mm, that's hard because there's been different ones for different stages of the business. Yeah. It's hard to pick one. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you just a few. <laughs> okay, I love it. Um, so I remember when we, when I moved the business out of my house, this was like within a few weeks of my first daughter being born. I wasn't sure whether to shark, shark, excuse me, whether to shut the company down and take like a maternity leave or whether to hire someone full time, move, move the business out of my home and kind of keep things running while I was on maternity leave. And so financially, it was kind of shaky to take that route, but that's what we ended up doing. Um, I hired my first full time employee. I moved the business out of my house. And um, it all kind of came together within like, gosh, on my daughter's due date, it all kind of like really came together in terms of like got everything moved in, had my person trained and all of that. And then thankfully, my daughter was um, two weeks late. So I got to like enjoy a little bit of a breather before she was born. But that was so cool because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is no longer you know, a business that I'm running out of my home. We have an actual location, we have an office, we have a manufacturing space that isn't my kitchen. And it was just like, man, this is really cool. And then I would say also when we opened our spa, which was in not that original location, but the second location, which is our current one, um, we opened a spa and just like getting a facial 
from our holistic esthetician, Courtney, in the spa that was at our new headquarters for the first time was super, super cool. That's awesome. And then, yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, and she's like such a gifted facialist. It's not like a normal facial where they slap products on you and give you a mask and have you sit there for a half an hour and rinse it off and call it a day. Like she does amazing, like, um, lymphatic massage and gua sha and different techniques like that. So it was just kind of a relaxing, surreal experience that, um, that all of, you know, all of that, the spa, the shipping, the manufacturing that was all happening mm-hmm. at the same place. It started out from just this little like hobby that I, that I had several years prior. And then also this isn't really a moment, but kind of, a I'll, just something that was also really cool was, I think I'd mentioned like this maternity leave, or maybe I was talking to someone else about this. I can't remember, but I just um, got back from maternity leave with baby number three and felt like this maternity leave was just such an amazing contrast to my first maternity leave mm-hmm. in terms of really being able to be hands off with the business and just to watch it continue to grow, even as I was, you know, really not doing anything with the business for a couple of months. Um, it, that was pretty awesome just to see like the amazing team that's in place kind of like growing the business mm-hmm. without me. Yeah. That was super cool. That's so awesome. And I think that is something just to celebrate too. Cause I think so many people that have businesses, like they probably are afraid to take time off and, you know, they feel like their business won't run if they're not like micromanaging everything. So I think it's really cool that you can contrast that now to where you were. I think it may be five, five or six years ago, you said, where, you know, you had maternity leave, but maybe it wasn't as fun or maybe fun isn't the right word. Relaxing, hands off. Getting up at 2 a.m. to breastfeed my daughter and remembering like all these things that I had to do and jumping on my laptop for three hours and then maybe squeezing in another hour of sleep at some point. It was like, oh my God, it was chaotic. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, one more question and then I promise we can wrap it up. What do you feel like, because I'm a marketing person, so I really love brands with that have good marketing. And I've mentioned this like six times since we've been talking because I'm like, you guys have the best marketing. What do you think has been, in terms of marketing efforts, like what do you think has been the, the biggest driver to your business success just from a marketing standpoint? And maybe like without paid ads, is there one other thing that you've done that has been like, that's really, really helped us grow? Yeah, I would say our affiliate program. That was something that I started really early on and it just kind of springboarded our success. And I know that a lot has changed since then in terms of how influencers work and how they market products. Um, but we still have a an affiliate program that's thriving and there are still a lot of people that um, that like to work that way. And by that way, I mean like traditional affiliate marketing, marketing where influencers will share a link or a code and then get a commission based on every sale they refer. So that was something that I believe I started maybe a year into a year, six months to a year into starting the business and really successful from the get-go, drove a ton of sales. And, um, you know, that's not the only way we work with influencers now. We do some 
paid posts, like flat rate stuff, but we also still have a large thriving group of influencers who are in our affiliate program. And it's still a big part of our business. I love that. I'm a huge fan of affiliate marketing. So I appreciate that that was your your driver. I like that. Um, okay, cool. This was so awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and just so nice to chat with you. Can you tell everyone where they can um, find you, where they can buy your amazing products? And if you, there's a product in particular that you want to like recommend to people, um, feel free to go for that too. Okay, cool. Yeah, our website is primallypure.com, P-R-I-M-A-L-L-Y, pure.com. Um, we have lots of great information on our blog. You can sign up from our, for our newsletter on our website where you can find out about products launches and promotions and just all the educational material that we send out regularly. Deodorant is probably what we are the best known for. Our charcoal deodorant is our best seller, and, but all of them are great. My favorite is tea tree. And gosh, if I had to pick like one product outside of deodorant that people should try, I would say this is hard. It changes a lot, but probably our cleansing oil. Our cleansing oil is something that really transformed my skin. It's like a mini spa experience at night or in the morning whenever you decide to use it. So yeah, it's good. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Bethany. So nice to have you on and thank you so much. Thanks, Carrie. You've been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this episode, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcast, and then take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. Tag me in it at Carrie A. Fitzgerald. My name is in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.